was saying just a second ago that you're the first um, you're the first guest I've ever had via conference. I when I invited you, I don't know what I was thinking. I thought that you were here in Austin, and I thought, yeah, we'll just get together and <laughs> and record a podcast. And when you sent me that that message, that was like, wait, are we doing this in person? I thought, where does this guy live? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's uh, about a I don't know, I guess a six seven hour drive down there. So. Uh... Yeah, it would have been a little bit difficult to come in just for just for this podcast. Right, right. I appreciate you coming on. And I was telling you earlier when we were getting ready uh, to rec- that I, I got this idea to do the podcast with you because I realized that this would be such a great like educational um, recording to have on hand. I feel like all of the clients that we have that we that we can't approve on the spot um, in one shape or form, uh, it maybe not completely their credit profile, but to some degree, there's something going on with their credit that we can help improve and make the likelihood of them approving much, much, much easier. Right. Right. And I, I hundred uh, percent agree. You know, I've been doing this for a little over two years now and um I, I've, t- I've told every referral partner, there is no such thing as a quote unquote bad referral. Um, everybody's got to start mm-hmm. somewhere. And I believe that if you have a goal, uh, which is obviously, you know, mortgage approval that, you you know, by going through a particular certain amount of steps, you can get there. I mean, you just have to, you know, keep putting one foot, one foot in front of the other. And definitely what we do here at the firm is, is, is a piece to that process. Yeah. And I, I've, you know, almost hand in hand with what you've said, I, I tell the same thing to all of my clients that I can't get approved. I tell them that, you know, if we can't approve you, we're going to do it quickly and we're going to try to, you know, guide you and, and teach you and educate you, make sure that you're making good decisions. But if we can't, then I want to sit down and talk about a long-term plan. What are the things that we have to do in order to get them get there? It might mean, you know, paying this down. It might mean waiting for you to have a certain amount of time at the job before they can count that as, as income. It might be read, you know, uh, looking at the way that you do your, your tax returns, but a lot of the time, I mean, like, you know, 80% of the time, um, we have to create a long-term plan for them, you know, as far as credit. And I tell them that if they're willing, and if the, if the client is willing to really, um, commit themselves to making the changes that are necessary, that we can get them. And it might take a month. It might take four. It might take six. It might take a year. Mm-hmm. Well, we will get them there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, you, your, your credit score is not permanent by any means. If you would, you know, want to improve it, you can. And, and that's, you know, working with lenders such as yourself. And then, you know, our firm is second to none as far as whenever, you know, a client comes over to me, uh, the education that they're getting uh, is, is paramount. I mean, nobody teaches you know, credit. I, I feel like it should be part of like a high school curriculum, to be honest, before, oh you know, God. people, yeah, people get out in the work, workforce. And there's just, there's so much um, to it. And there's so much information that's out there. Um, and, and so much bad information, to be quite honest, uh, that I, I really do feel like it, it needs to be taught, um, on, you know, nationally, um, as, as part of just, you know, becoming an adult, uh, because so many people, you know, do struggle with credit there. Are, I mean, I, you see it in, and I see it on a, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, cre- uh, I would feel like credit and uh, student loans, right? Credit, mm-hmm. student loans, and like balancing a checkbook and balancing your your assets, right? Like the money that you have, right? Those should all be like basic fundamental uh teachings at the high school level right uh, before kids go off and you know quote unquote you know go off into the real world i find it interesting that they talk so much about that preparing you for the real world but then never really talk to you about the real world yeah um they kind of skirt around it yeah yeah i mean those things i wish i wish they were a bigger part of the curriculum too but unfortunately they're not as of now i know that some places are starting to you know add them like a few classes here and there Mm -hmm. so that's great but before we go into like all of the credit, you know, related topics and, and talking about what people can do, what they should know, all of that. Tell me a little bit about, about you, how you got into this, into this career, how it happened. I, I've told a story many times about how I got into mortgage and it was very, very accidental and yeah. bizarre. Yeah. And so tell me a little bit about how that happened for you. Um, you know, it, it is um, kind of an accident that, that, that it occurred with me as well. Um, when I was in college, um, I worked for U.S. Bank. Uh, I, I grew mm-hmm. up in the Southwest Missouri area, and uh, I, I got a job at U.S. Bank. I started as a bank teller, and then eventually I uh, moved my way up into consumer lending. So I was doing auto loans and, and second mortgages, um, and I did that for about five years. And uh, uh, frankly, you know, just working for a bank, I, I kind of got tired of the finance realm, and uh, I shifted gears. There was a uh, a hospitality position um, at a casino that was nearby. And uh, I transitioned into the uh, casino industry for a period of about- Oh, what? Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah, yeah. No, it was it was definitely um, a, a huge transition from, you know, corporate banking world into, a, you know, a casino atmosphere. The casino I worked for was, um, you know, it wasn't like, you know, one of the largest in the nation, but I mean, it was a, it was a $500 million property. So it was, you know, fairly large. Um, but that was fun. Um, it just really wasn't uh, conducive to a family atmosphere. And uh, mm-hmm. my ex, yeah, my, sure. my ex-wife and I were having kids and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I really loved the job, but I mean, it was, you know, open 365 days a year and uh, the hours just really weren't uh, what I needed. And um, so uh, my, my ex-wife um, got an offer for a position uh, here in the Kansas City metro area. And we moved uh, for that offer, and mm-hmm. uh, I found a credit law center, uh, an ad for um, a credit analyst, and mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of where it happened. That's where, I, where I, it all started. I just I, I came in. Um, the owner here, uh, Bo Thomas, uh, used to be a mortgage mm-hmm. banker. He he was a mortgage banker for ten years. Uh, we we started talking about um, you know just you know that I'd had banking background. Uh, talking about credit a little bit, uh, I can tell you that even lending for you know just a couple of years, I I didn't have hardly any credit knowledge. Um, I, I thought I had a lot of it. Uh, I I really had very minimal before I started here, um, but we uh, we we kind of hit it off. Uh, he hired me on the spot, and uh, awesome. it, it's just kind of gone from there. Um, I, I really love what I do. Um, I, I have had credit issues in the past. Um, my, my ex-wife and I, um, we actually declared bankruptcy very early on in our marriage just because uh, we felt like it was going to be uh, the best avenue for us to uh, reduce down the debt that we had already incurred. And uh, so I, I know what it's like 
to to have you know a, a fairly poor credit score, and just the amount of um, you know the confidence that you have you know when you walk into a car lot or you walk into even you know to to buy a, a home, um, you, you kind of know before you walk in there kind of where you're at, and that feeling to not be able to to do, you know, the things that, that adults do, you know, I want to buy, a right. car. I want to buy a car, but I don't want to pay 25% interest. And that's, you know, a lot where a lot of people are, or, you know, I want to go in and I want to buy a home for my family, but I can't get approved. And my rent is probably going to be, you know, 25% or more higher than a mortgage would be for something that's even going to be bigger and, and benefit my family. And it's just kind of, um, when you when you do have a, a poor credit rating, you're, you're kind of almost shackled to uh, not being able to achieve those goals. So uh, I'm very passionate about what I do now because I was um, in in those shoes before. So uh, I can personally relate to the clients that that I'm speaking with. That's I mean that and that's a, such a huge part, and it's part of why. Quite honestly, man. Not I mean not to toot your home this horn. This isn't a commercial for you. It really mm-hmm. was in my uh estimation like a really great podcast that we could put together for people but it's it's the reason why i send people to you because i really genuinely get the feel that you're helping these people that um, they have an opportunity to make a significant change and sometimes to be honest with you um there are people that may or may not come back to us they might improve their credit and then who knows what happens but but i know that we've done right by helping them improve you know, where they were, help them, helping them understand what changes they need to make long-term. Right. Um, and so I appreciate the the service that you provide. It's been, it's been yeah. incredible. So, yeah. Definitely. Okay. So a little bit about what we're here to talk about and, and I'll summarize for everyone. The idea behind this podcast was to have Jason come here and talk to you about a wide range of credit related topics. If, if you're out there and you're thinking about purchasing a home or buying a car or, or you just in general have struggled with bad credit and don't really know why, don't know why you have bad credit, how much longer you'll have bad credit or how to dig yourself out of this hole. I think what we would like to do is probably touch on all of those subjects Okay. Um, and this podcast could probably be, you know, m- you know, many hours and many different sections long, but I want, um, you know, our listeners to get an opportunity to, to kind of hear some of the things that you see, some of the things that you know uh, about credit and just kind of share that knowledge. I know for myself, I struggled with credit a lot just getting out of college mm-hmm. um, because I had, a, um, I had a lot of medical debt. So I had gotten into... Um, an accident when I was in college my senior year. I had this actually pretty small medical debt, but it you know went into collection and it crushed me. Like for the next several years, my credit suffered because of that. Um, and I never really quite understood how it happened and didn't really know that I shouldn't have let it get to that point or that I could have set up payments or, you know, all of the strategies that I could have gone about. I didn't have any idea. And as a college student, I just kind of let it go. Right. So I think probably the best way to go about this, because everybody has so many different issues, um, so many different circumstances, maybe we could start off with you talking about what you feel are uh, the most common credit challenges, the most common things that you see, and then I'll just kind of let you take it away from there. Okay. Um, I mean, primarily, um, what we're going to be focusing on as far as, you know, bringing clients on board is 
just any of the derogatory, you know, history on any particular account that is on their credit report. I mean, obviously, that's what's bringing a score down. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's really not my main focus whenever I am going to be speaking to the client, uh, because that's what the, our firm is going to be handling on our end. Uh, I really like to focus with the client on how to build credit when you have no credit. Because um, mm-hmm. I feel like that, that the, the misnomer, the true misnomer is, well, if I, if I can go to a quote-unquote credit repair place and um, they can get everything off of my report, then I'm going to have a perfect credit score. And that, uh, by, okay. that, that, by, that by no means is, is actually the way that it works. Um, you know, no one starts out with an 850 FICO score. Credit scores are ascending, not descending. So you don't start out with 850 and, um, you know, go down from there. Uh, you have to, you know, put an account on your report and you have to build it. So um, I definitely feel like focusing on how to start positive credit uh, and, and put up positive trade lines is, is, is the, the higher um, challenge uh, for the clients because they, they don't really know what to do. Um, so, you know, what I think I advise them, and I think that you're, you know, you're definitely a lender that does this as well, is to try to open up a new account being mm-hmm. with a secured credit card. Right. Um, you know, that's going to be one of the first things that they can do. That's going to, you know, require a deposit. Uh, that deposit is going to serve as the line of credit amount. So if you do a $200 deposit, they will give you a $200 line. And, you know, then you build credit from there. Uh, and, and in what I tell people, it's not a license to shop. You know, I mean, you're, you're basically paying your $200 so that you can put something on the books. Uh, but you want to leave it open. You want to leave all of that credit available uh, because the credit score is a risk score. And so if you have a $200 availability on your credit line on a $200 card, you look less risky than the guy that has a $198 balance because he has almost maxed it out. Right. And therefore, you know, that's, that's what the credit score does. It's how likely is this person going to pay back their loan? So if you have a card and you want, you want to keep your balances low, if you want your credit score to be high, because that low balance says, this person has the availability to use the money, but they're not. And so they're less risky. And so, uh, so, and so just to ahead. kind of, uh, before you go, cause I, I'm glad you brought up the secured credit card conversation. Um, mm-hmm. And I give, you know, I try to give the best advice that I can. Um, and I, I'm a hope, I hope that I'm in the right track. And in general, what I tell people about a secured card or, or any card when they're trying to establish credit is, you know, use it for the things that you absolutely would need to use anyway. So sometimes mm-hmm. I'll tell a client is, um, you know, let's say gas, for example, you need gas. So right. you were going to pay for gas anyway. You have the cash to pay for gas. So go in, use the card, and then try to get, you know, wherever you need to get to, to immediately pay that balance back down because you were yep. going to pay it anyway. But it gives you an opportunity to utilize the card and then show that you're paying it off on time and you're yep. keeping, it, keeping it up to date. Is that a fair way to, to think about using? Yeah, you know, that's those, perfect. Those uh, um, that's almost verbatim what I would say mm-hmm. to any client that I'm talking to about it as well. Um, there is a misnomer out there that you have to use your credit card to get credit on mm-hmm. your report. And that's not the case. Now, when you do get a card, they're going to have you, uh, you, you need to put activity on it. So right. one purchase is all you need. Mm-hmm. You go and you do buy that tank of gas. Just like you said, something that you would already be buying no matter what. You have the cash available 
then you pay it off and you let it sit there. And if it reports with a zero balance, you're still getting the maximum amount of credit points for wow. that particular Holy account. Cow. That is crazy. I did not know yeah. that. Awesome. Yeah. And so just yeah. so everybody knows, it, some people may know right off the bat what a secured card is, but I'm just mm. going to explain it in layman's terms. This is the way that I understand it is, I mean, you could literally go, walk into your local bank, you know, whoever that company is and ask mm. for a secured card. It essentially looks like a credit card. It is um, for all intents and purposes that, but they're using your own money to secure that line of credit. So you yes. go in there and give them the $200. They create the line of credit with that money and then issue you the card. When you're, mm-hmm. when you close that credit, when you close that um, secured credit card, let's say you do this for a certain amount of time and they eventually issue you your own card. Do they return that deposit to you? Do you know how that works in general? I- I'm not really yeah. sure, to be honest with you. Yeah, you you, you will get that deposit back. Right. Um, um, I, I don't know of a company that doesn't do that. Right, so. okay. That's a pretty standard procedure. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so sorry. I jumped in there because I wanted to No, you're fine. More. Uh, another company that I have started to recommend, and um, I have not actually used this myself, but I've had um, success with um, the clients that, that I've recommended this to. So um, when we're speaking about credit, um, part of your credit score is, do you have a good credit mix? Mm-hmm. And so um, what we're talking about as far as secured credit cards, any kind of credit card is, is what's called a revolving account, as you all know, but the, viewer, the listeners may not. Um, there's two different kinds of credit. There's revolving credit, basically any kind of credit card or charge line of credit where you are going to be able to use it and then pay it back and reuse it. So reusable credit is called revolving credit. And then there's also installment credit, which is basically like your, your, you know, your mortgages, your auto loans, Rooms to go. Uh, your, your, your student loans, uh, anything that you're going to be paying on the exact same payment monthly that has a term is, is, is installment credit. And so you want to have both types of credit on your report to achieve a maximum score. So again, how does a you know how does someone who cannot qualify for a loan end up being able to get a an installment loan on their credit report? Uh, there are companies out there, and one that I've started to recommend uh, to the clients that have come to me is a company called SelfLender.com. Uh, you know, you can look it up. Uh, I, I've looked at their um, the way that they do things, and basically, what they're going to do for that client is they they set up a savings account. Uh, that looks like a loan on the credit report. And I believe that they will go as minimum as a $25 deposit monthly. So you pick a term. You say you want a one-year term. Well, you're going to be paying into a loan account that is going to be into a deposit account for yourself mm-hmm. for you know a year period. And I believe, like I said, $25 is the minimum. So if they want to pay this, then that company will then report it as if they're making on-time installment loan payments. Wow. And, that, and that's, I mean, that's, that's hugely beneficial because then they're going to have a, you know, we're going to start them with a secured card, start them with this, you know, self-lender. And it's and now their they money. Have, it's their own money. And, and it's their money. Exactly. And at the end of the term, you know, I, I know that there's fees involved. This company's, you know, they're going to get their, you know, fee or what have you, but they're going to give the majority of that money that the client has paid into back to them at the end of the term. Now they do have to make that monthly deposit. And if they miss a monthly deposit, it will act the same way as an installment loan. 
Wow. Okay. So then, yeah, yeah this is serious. I mean, this is a, a, a an important commitment that a person's making, but with pretty significant benefits, uh, having completed the term, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. So those are those are two things that I'm always going to recommend. Now, a lot of the clients that come to me that they'll will, they'll already have you know installment credit with an auto loan. I mean, most everyone has a car, and uh, unfortunately, there are you know places that will you know get you into vehicles and charge you 25% interest rates. I've been, you know, I've been there myself. Uh, but if you do have one of those installment loans, then you're going to need obviously the revolving trade line with it, with a secured card. Um, but that, you know, the, those are the two recommendations for uh, that I would have for anybody to, hey, who, you know, is, is coming with a, with a low credit score that they feel like they can't get qualified for anything. Um, and then one of the other things that they can do as well uh, and this is something that requires um, a third party, uh, but generally speaking, this is going to be the, one of the quickest avenues is an authorized user account. Okay. Um, an authorized user account, uh, for those of you out there that are listening, is just basically you're going to be piggybacking off of somebody else's credit card. Not all companies will do this, but the ones that do, if you have you know, somebody in your friend or family network uh, that, you know, that trusts you, then what they can do is call their card company and that card company can ask them to, or they will ask that company to add that person as an authorized user. Now, the great thing about this is it, it requires no money on behalf of anybody that's, that's doing this. And then the person that's adding them as a user, it's not going to affect their credit score whatsoever. They're still fully responsible for that card. And the person that they're adding as a user does not even have to use that account at all. Wow. Uh, if, okay. a car, if a card is even issued, um, I mean, it can be cut up. It, there's no record of whether this person's actually using it. But what that can do is the very next time that it reports to uh, the credit bureaus, it will report for that other person. And that's a really great way. Um, actually, this is something that's um, really beneficial for uh someone who's, who's getting ready to turn 18. So if you're out there and you're listening and, and you have children uh, and you're wanting to know how to get them a credit score and you have a, a, a decent credit rating, what you would want to do is actually add your own child as an authorized user to a credit card that you've had for a while uh, that's in good standing. And that will automatically get them a credit score. And then they don't have to use your card, but what they can do after they get that credit score is they'll probably be able to qualify for a very small, uh, at least a retail card. It won't begin you know, to your, build your, their your own credit. Store, right. And then they can build their own credit. We always say, you know, this is what you, you do. You know, you have them, um, they start at least with a qualifying score to where they can start building right away. And as long as, you know, you teach them how to be responsible, uh, then they're going to be on the fast track to having uh, a, a better credit profile when it comes time to, you know, do the larger purchases, like buying a car, they may not have to actually have a cosigner. I know whenever I did my first car loan, uh, I did not have to have a cosigner because of this exact thing. My mother actually did put me on a credit card whenever I was younger. So uh, that helped. And, and you know, I, it, it's just a, it's a way for for parents to have their children, you know, be on the, like I said, the fast track to, to have a better credit score. Yeah. I mean, I was very lucky. I, I got a credit, I got not a credit card, but I got a, a debit card and a bank account and all of that stuff very, very early on. And, mm -hmm. you know, having gone 
to school, uh, I, I left home really, really young, you know, 17 years old, I went from the Rio Grande Valley up to Austin on my own. So I, you know, I did some research and looked up a couple of things and, and got some advice on what I should be doing. So thankfully, at the beginning, at least it wasn't so bad. Um, as far as establishing good credit, it was what, um, what happened when the bad stuff started happening. And I didn't know how to react. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even know how to mm -hmm you know, get around it. Um, right, what are some right. of the common things? If, if you, if these are the three, I'm not sure if you've got other ways to build credit that you want to talk about, but it just kind of gave me a natural segue to talk about some of the, the most common credit yeah. challenges and, and maybe, maybe not even most common, but some of the most difficult ones to overcome. I mean, you have yeah. anything ranging from like 30 day late payments to collections, mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. medical payments, right. to repossessions, right. you know, those right. I'm sure right. are ones that hit pretty hard. So um, the, the, one of the bigger things, and, and, and you'd already touched on it earlier. Um, we do see a lot of people with student loans that come in. Oh, yeah, um, and, and, and I would say that that is probably the number one killer of a credit score. And the reason being is the way that student loans are done on your credit report. Um, you know, let's say you do go to a four-year college and you apply for, for a student loan uh, each semester that you're in college. Well, now you're done with your, your degree and four years later, you have now eight different student loan accounts on your credit report, even though you're only technically going to be paying one different payment, because every time you take out a loan for each semester, it is individual. And so get, you know, guess what happens if you happen to come out of deferment and you're not making payments? Well, now you've hit uh, with eight different derogatory late payments on your credit report, and it just completely annihilates it. Right. Um, the lowest credit scores that I see when people come in are from derogatory student loan histories. Uh, and unfortunately, um, that's just the way that everything is coded. So what I would recommend for anybody out there that's struggling with student loans, as far as credit is concerned, is to consolidate them Firstly, because we don't want to have eight different accounts on our credit report. We want to consolidate them. And there are student loan rehabilitation companies out there uh, that will help you to do that. Um, you know, just Google any student, you know, student loan rehab. Uh, and there are several, several programs. I don't have one in particular that I would recommend. Um, they're all, um, they have the format in the same way. And it just, um, basically, when you go through the rehab process, they're going to have you pay into a new loan and that loan, as long as you have good history for a period of 10 months, then that rehab company has the ability to go back and remove the derogatory from the previous loans. Okay. And, and that's where, you know, that's where you want to go. So, I mean, yeah, it, it is going to take time to recover from them, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Student and loans for us are also, I mean, they, they can be killers like huge killers and just for everybody out there that's listening i mean if there's if there's one thing you don't want to be delinquent on is this mm -hmm. federal federal you know debt so right student loans are really really important on the mortgage side as well if you're delinquent with with federal student debt it can be a huge issue and in fact uh in mo most times will be the sole killer to an approval we have to make sure that you're current and that you are making those payments on time and, and that you've caught up if you did if you did you know go 
awry with your student loans. So definitely want to make sure and and stay abreast of, of whatever's happening with your student debt. If you're younger and you're still in school and you haven't thought much about it, be ready to start taking action. And if you're older and if you've just given up, maybe you know you can look into how you can get those things corrected uh, before it gets any worse. Jason, do I still have you on there? Yeah, sorry, I broke up for just a second there, bud. Uh, oh, that's okay. But yeah, we're uh, we're definitely you know we see that student loan um, issue quite a bit and the the good thing about coming through our firm is and getting into a rehab process is um you know the way that we do our deletions is 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 basically under how accurately is everything recorded on the credit report because the way the credit reporting laws are are um stated everything is mandated to you know be accurate and and be recorded in in a very uh 100% fashion you know no no missed cross t's no missed dotted i's and whenever uh, a client will get into a rehab process, um, a lot of times those older files, um, they're being manipulated as well. And if somebody makes a mistake on them, then uh, we can actually uh, go in and have a better chance of having the older stuff that was derogatory be removed before that 10 month period. So uh, I highly recommend that, uh, you know, if, if anybody's going to be doing that to one, get in the rehab uh, it's, it's, you know, there, like I said, there's light at the end of the tunnel after 10 months, but, and then somebody who comes over to me, it's going to give us a better chance of, of being able to remove it sooner rather than later. Great. Jason, what can you say about some of the, like the really nasty stuff? Like, I'm wondering if there's somebody listening out there that is going through what you went through in, in terms mm -hmm. of uh, bankruptcy, you know, what, uh, what prognosis are they looking at? How long is this, how long is it going to take to climb right. out of that hole right. and, uh, and get themselves, you know, in the right. right place and what can they expect? Right. Um, so, you know, coming, coming out of a bankruptcy, depending on what type of bankruptcy it is, um, there's, there's two different types that are normally the case for an individual chapter seven or chapter 13 uh, a seven is going to be where all of the debt is discharged uh, to where there's no repayment uh, for you know what whatever's being you know put into the bankruptcy and then you have a 13 where um, all of your debt is going to be uh, calculated and you're and you're going to have to uh, pay the trustee uh, monthly for a period of, I believe it goes out to five years and you're paying back a lot of the uh, the debt that you've incurred that you're you know getting discharged through the bankruptcy uh, through the trustee. Now, um, recovery time, as far as that goes, it's just going to be. I mean, obviously, it's 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 going to depend upon the person uh, who has gone through it. Uh, I've seen people come back, you know, within two years time and have over a credit, a credit score of 700. Um, so it, it can happen uh, fairly quickly. Uh, for what we do on our end, uh, the law firm actually sees that a lot of the accounts that are discharged in a bankruptcy, uh, they're not coded correctly once this is done. Um, unfortunately, that's the case because um, your bankruptcy itself definitely hurts your credit rating. But mm -hmm. then uh, if the bureaus don't have the accurate recording of the way that the accounts are now coded after that bankruptcy has occurred, then you could be hurt from the bankruptcy and those older accounts. And, and it's just double dipping on your credit mm -hmm. report. Um, so uh, I, 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 I don't like that the clients have had, but whenever I do see a bankruptcy on a report, 
uh, it's something that I, I really want to sink my teeth into because we've had so much success in getting a lot of removals on the derogatory there. And in some cases, um, if, if there has been uh, inaccurate coding, we can actually remove the bankruptcy itself from some of the credit bureaus, which is kind of unheard of. Mm -hmm. But if that's the case, then uh, obviously the credit score is going to go north in a, in a very quick fashion. And I'm assuming that, that to some degree you see bankruptcies and it's probably a little personal to you, right? Like something that you oh, really want to help somebody with. Oh, definitely, definitely. Inside of, uh, you know, my, my ex-wife and I were very diligent. Uh, after we went through, we did uh, reestablish credit almost immediately. Uh, it's the weirdest thing. Once you go through a Chapter 7, you're going to get a credit card offer probably in the next month. Uh, and the <laughs> wow. reason being... Well, the reason being is because you can only file bankruptcy every eight years. Um, so, you know, and, and, and then you don't have any debt after a chapter seven. So you're actually the perfect person to, to have this new, to. Credit, yeah, the, this new credit card for an atrocious interest rate. Uh, but, but I did reestablish right away. And uh, I was able to, you know, we were able to actually qualify for our first home loan uh, inside of two years uh, after the bankruptcy, which is, you know, almost unheard of. I, I know there's not very many loan programs. You know, you can speak to uh, you know, on your end, you know, how long you have to go after a bankruptcy before um, you can get qualified through a loan program. But as far as scoring is concerned from on my end, uh, you can definitely get back up into the 700s. Um, you know, just by following, you know, the steps, you know, just you know, one by one, one foot in front of the other uh, on time histories, reestablishing credit. You can get back up into the 700s, uh, you know, in fairly short order. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because uh, bankruptcies and foreclosures are probably the biggest, you know, items uh, when it comes to mortgage. They have, you know, waiting periods for both. And it varies right. depending on the person's situation. So, um, you know, anywhere between two to four years for uh, the bankruptcies is normal, depending on, like you said, whether it's chapter seven or chapter 13, and whether there are extenuating circumstances that caused you to go into a bankruptcy. That's really important, too, because the waiting period can, can be just two years. If there was a specific reason why it happened, that can be deemed, you know, quote unquote, extenuating circumstances. Um, and so mm -hmm. it, it just kind of depends on the on the client situation. But I wanted to point out to everyone that because you have a bankruptcy or a foreclosure, it doesn't mean it's the end. You know, you shouldn't feel like it's over and that you'll never be able to purchase again and that your credit history profile is gone. Um, it's a matter of establishing right. a Definitely plan not. and figuring out how we get you back into the right place. And it can certainly be done. I've had plen plenty yeah. of clients that have gone through bankruptcies or foreclosures that, you know, bought homes again. Um, it was just a matter of establishing a plan for them. Exactly. And I mean, that's what it really all comes down to whenever you're talking about credit. I mean, it's as simple as, uh, you know, when you, when you think about, you know, just, I mean, I was, I was with my son yesterday and I was, uh, uh, you know, he's not really good at tying his shoes, but you know, you, you, you know, it's just like tying shoes. I mean, there's a, there's a step process and that's, you can apply anything, uh, you know, going as far as goals into just a matter of steps. And, and that's what I like about working with you is I know that you're doing that. And then, you know, I feel like that's the same way with you, with me is that yeah, absolutely whoever we're going to be speaking with, we're going to, you know, we can give them a plan and then they just have right. to execute. It's kind of like, you know, the example you mentioned, uh, shoelaces, tiny shoes, the example that I give to to people that I work with is is soccer. I'm not sure if you're a soccer fan at all. If you care at, at 
we we've got sporting Casey okay. up here, so I do I do take I do watch a little okay, bit. Okay, so of I use soccer a lot because a lot of times here in the U.S. people don't really know soccer, right? And so I I'll, mm-hmm. I'll you know ask them, and they usually say, "No, I, I don't really watch soccer." And I tell them, "Well, if I were to put you on a soccer field right now, or a football field, or whatever the case is, and you had no idea how to play the game." you would get there right. and just stumble around and not really know what you're doing. And maybe you'd kick the ball every now and then, and maybe you wouldn't, but you just drift around aimlessly. But over time you'd start learning mm-hmm. what the rules were and you'd start learning what the objective is and you'd start learning how to score points and then you'd get better. And then you would have a little bit more focus about what you were trying to accomplish and you'd get better and you'd score more and you'd, you know, you're just doing better and better and better. And to me, mortgage right. and, you know, by this conversation, credit are very much the same. And what I try mm-hmm. to remind my clients is that what our goal is, is to educate you about rules of this game. What, what are the rules to getting um, a money or being lent money to purchase a home? How does it work? Um, what do I need to do to score points? And once you start understanding the rules and the way to mm-hmm. play, you can understand how to play the game and you end up doing better. And sometimes... You have right. clients that come in and were originally going to do an FHA loan because they had no other choice, but they learned the rules. They got better and they, you know, they studied for a little while, came back, and then we got them into a conventional loan, a much better loan long-term. They fixed their credit, all right. of those things. And so it's just a matter of understanding right. how it all works. Right. You know, I, I have a lot of uh, referral partners, you know, from mortgage companies um, mm-hmm. like yourself. And uh, one of the biggest things that uh, one of my one of my partners told me, uh, because it, early on, you know, I, I used to be very um, concerned that if we, you know, if we didn't get a particular kind of account uh, deleted from a credit report, that that the loan was going to fall fall mm-hmm. through. And uh, what she told me was, uh, she said, Jason, I, I, you know, I don't really care um, what we can, you know, obviously what we can do is what we can do. You know, you, you know, what, when a client comes to me, um, we're going to put them through this process and anything and everything that can be done to improve their credit report, as far as deletions are concerned, is going to be done under the law. And if we cannot get any, you know, get, get a particular account off of the report, you know, that's just, that's just the reality that there is. What she said though, and this is what um, I, I would like people to come away with is that by by doing this, by going through this process, other avenues can be opened. And, and that's, you know, just like you said, you know, somebody who comes in, FHA is what they're what they're thinking about doing. And then, you know, all of a sudden, six months down the road, you know, they're able to do a conventional that's going to you know be much more beneficial as far as, you know, finances are concerned and interest rates. And maybe they don't have to do PMI and, and right. things of that nature. Exactly. Uh, it, it just, uh, you know, avenues can be opened by, um, taking a little time, being diligent, uh, following through and, and, you know, just having some patience. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I really like the way that she yeah, put that. She I said that too. I would just much rather, much rather just refer them over to you, have you do as much as you possibly can. And we'll see, we'll see where we are at the, at the end, because we're going to be in a better position than we were. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And, you know, as a loan officer, it, it would, um, it would be just too easy for me to say that my job is just to simply close loans and to get people to move into their homes. I, I try to extend the value that we have um, as, you know, as a, a mortgage team, as a lender myself, 
I want to help people make really, really sound decisions about their future. And the, and the reason that we partner with you is because I want, you know, I want all of the partners that I work with to provide excellent service and to help my clients be mm -hmm. in a better place. I, I use this slogan on all of my uh, marketing. It's honesty, integrity, accountability. And I want, I want my clients to feel like when they're with us, they are being protected. They're being taken care of and they're being given the best possible advice. And if that leads to them purchasing a, a home, then fantastic. But if it doesn't, they're mm -hmm. definitely going to be in a better place when they're done than when they started, because the people that I surround right. myself are, are all have that same mindset. And so I appreciate that because yeah, I do I, think it's I important. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't now, agree more. Go ahead. Um, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say one thing you just said was, uh, you know, the best possible advice. And I alluded to this earlier that there is, uh, there, there's good and bad advice out there. And, and unfortunately there are good and, um, bad advice given from uh, loan officers such as yourself, and it even happens still to this day, uh, we'll go to conventions all the time, uh, you know, for lending companies. And uh, I'm not trying to take away anything from, from the, you know, lending industry, but if a loan officer really doesn't um, understand how credit works, they can give some really bad advice. And uh, one, you know, I, I definitely know that you're uh, an expert as far as that goes. You and I both, uh, you know, have have the the tenure underneath us to to know what to do and what not to do. But one thing that I I just hate hearing. Um, I actually did a video uh, about this here at the firm. Is that clients have come in and then they leave the the you know the lender's office. And they go and they, they pay off all of their old collection mm. accounts. And that's just, <laughs> yeah, that's really, that's really, you know, and, and, it, and it's so counterintuitive and I understand completely why they feel that way. But, it, you know, the way that the credit score works is everything is based off of the date of last activity. And that date of last activity is determined by when the last payment was made. And so, uh, one of the things that can hurt you more than anything is paying off a, an account that's that's old on your credit report, because as things age, if they were a derogatory account, they hurt your score less and less. I mean, the, everything falls off from seven years and three months from the date of last act, activity from the, the credit report. That's whenever the magic is and, and, it, and it's removed. So as things age, they hurt your score less and less. And so by making an old account seem new by making a payment, because the credit score is dumb, it doesn't understand that it's been there for two years. Uh, now it looks brand new again. And you basically have just reopened a wound that is that has already started to heal. So that's one of the things that I definitely uh, wanted to mention uh, today is uh, for anybody that's wanting to, you know, try to, try to help their credit on their own. Uh, you want to make sure that uh, you know what you're paying for whenever you're you're looking at that. Right. Yeah. I, man, I can't tell you how many times I've I've heard that happen, and sometimes people will come to me and be like, "Oh, well, I'm I'm gonna go in there and pay off all of my collections." I'm like, "No, wait." And I always, in general, just try to tell people that you know, despite as much as I know, I I always want them to wait to make any big movements. Like let let hold on, let's wait. Let me get you in touch with Jason. Let's let's get his you know idea on D &D, what should happen. It looks like my um, Vonage came through. I got a phone call. Oh, you did? Yeah. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Okay. Perfect.
Yeah, I was just saying that, uh, yeah, that's happened before, you know, that I have clients that will tell me that they're going to go and pay off all of their collections to improve their credit. And I always try to tell them to hold off and give us an opportunity to go through and review everything and make sure, you know, get a thorough review of what should happen before they make any serious movements. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, anybody out there that's listening, you know, if you, if you work with Alejandro or if you're working with, you know, another, another lender, you, you definitely want to have a professional uh, give you an overview. And, and, and I do that for free all day long uh, mm-hmm. because I, I don't want anybody to, to make the wrong move. I mean, you can, you can come in and think you're doing yourself a favor and shoot yourself in the foot and take your, you know, take your score maybe six months, a year back from, you know, even where you were to begin with. And that's just not, that's not something I want to have happen to anyone. Right, right, right. I do have one thing, you know, in the last couple of minutes here, I want to cover something, um, that I find really interesting that I'm really not very knowledgeable on, but I, I've heard of this happening before. So there okay. are lots of different types of debt uh, companies. And in particular, uh-huh. I've heard of companies that will essentially, they'll come to a client that they know is really deep in into debt. And they'll say, hey, we'll, we will put you into a better plan um, mm-hmm. and my understanding is the way that it works is they essentially allow your, your debts to go into collection and then they buy that debt and then you have a payment to them. So you, your debt is drastically reduced from a mm-hmm. number standpoint, your total debt goes from 15,000 to 7,000, let's say, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that it didn't just completely destroy your credit for, for the time being. And I've yep. actually heard of that happening uh, to people that I know. And I was wondering right. if you're familiar with that and what you could say about yeah. how all of that yeah. stuff works. Yeah. I mean, in, in, I, I understand what's going on in the mindset of the client here, but um these, you know, debt consolidation companies, and, and there is one here in the metro that we actually would recommend to people because they actually don't follow that model. But I would say that 99% of the debt consolidation companies that are out there are going to do uh, pretty much exactly what you just said. And um, you pay them, uh, you know, that monthly um, whatever they, they calculate, you know, based upon your debt, it's a certain percentage. And you pay them monthly for, to, to take care of all your debt. Um, but what is happening is that all of your accounts are not being paid on time. Uh, they're going to you know, collect that money, uh, basically make a little nest egg, and then they're going to try to settle on those for lesser amounts. Uh, that's what they're paid to do. But all the while, you're missing uh, payments. And any 30-day late payment, just a 30-day late payment to an installment loan or to an open credit card can kill your FICO score, which is what you're using uh, as a lender, can kill your FICO score 50 to 100 points overnight. So um, when you're, when, you know, if you're out there and you're thinking about a debt consolidation company, uh, I would definitely give it a, a, a very, uh, go through what their procedures are with a fine tooth comb. There are some that are out there that will actually make your payments on time. And that's really what you would want to be looking for. Uh, I personally don't recommend, um, any any other company than the one here in the metro that we know uh, that does that, just because you know we want to preserve credit as much as we possibly can. Uh, and I, I realize that you know when when you're in overhead and as far as debt goes, you know you have a couple of different options, and one of those may be a consolidation company. But just know that if you're if you're going to go through one of those, it's it's likelihood that your your credit score is just going to tank and tank considerably. 
Right. And one of, you know, you just reminded me of uh, a really uh, like great piece of advice that I didn't even know. It doesn't like, there's no segue to it and it doesn't even go along with what we're talking about, but you were talking and it just triggered my memory. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know this was a thing either. Um, but I had, if you remember back in January, I bought my home and mm-hmm. I think a few months before that, I, I reached out to you and told you, Hey, I have this 30 day late. Oh, that's how I remembered because you brought up 30 day late. I have this 30 mm-hmm. day late from this, um, I'll just call it a clothing warehouse. How about that? And mm-hmm. so I was really upset because I've had their, I've had an account with them for forever and I can't remember ever paying anything late, but there right. it was on my credit, you know, 30 day late. And it was like killing my credit score. Oh yeah. And so um, you told me to give them a call and to ask if as a courtesy, they would be willing to remove that 30 day late payment. And I thought, Mm -hmm. okay, this is a bunch of BS. There's no way they're going to do it. So I call and I talk to them and sure enough, they freaking removed it. Yeah. They removed it. And before I got to, before I closed on my home, they were able to do what internally here at a mortgage company, we call basically a a credit uh, supplement or a credit rescore. Um, And they were able to do that internally and show that that 30 uh, 30 day late payment was gone and my credit score went up. I got a better interest rate, a better deal. I mean, it was amazing. And so thank you for that. I forgot to thank you for that uh, months ago when that happened. Yeah, that's what um, we call a good faith adjustment. Um, So if you're out there listening to this and this has happened to you and you, you know, maybe who knows what happened, you know, life happens, you know, somebody went to the hospital, you know, somebody was going through something, you, you, you just, you know, people have, you know, we're all human, but if you made all of your payments on time to a company and then, you know, it just so happens that you miss one, uh, a lot of times they'll look at your pay history and they'll know that, you know, you've had that account with them for five years. And, and if you've you know, paid diligently on time, uh, you know, they can take a look at that and know that you're probably, you know, you, you, you did mess up. Okay. You messed up. You know what? We'll, we'll give you that good faith adjustment, mm-hmm. uh, just because of your relationship that they've had. And that's a free phone call for anybody to make. Now right. they don't have to do that obviously. And, and I'm really glad that the company that you were talking to did, um, but more often than not, um, you know, if, if it's a reputable company and you've had a good relationship with them, they'll probably do that for us as a one-time courtesy. Right. Yeah. And they, and they did, and they did it relatively quickly. I was surprised how quickly they did. It didn't take, yeah. but more than a month. And I thought it was yeah. going to take like several, you know, I thought it was going to take like, you know, three or four months and they did it in about a month's time from the original phone call. Uh, by the time right. they updated everything, it came out. And that's part of the reason again, that, um, and here just shameless plug, but part of the reason why I tell my clients that if, if you're thinking about buying a home or doing anything that involves your credit, which is almost anything financial, right? do start the process early. Even if you know, hey, I'm not going to buy a home for four or five months, apply, you know, apply. I feel like most people... Um, are afraid of doing that because they'll say to themselves, well, I'll apply the week that I'm going to purchase the house. And that can be a really serious mistake. For some of you, it may not be a big deal. Some of you are perfect, like 800 credit score, never had a late payment in your life and you know it and you're just on top of your game and you're worried about nothing. Okay, I guess there's, there are one-offs 
in any case. But for most of us, you want to get ahead of any obstacles that would present themselves and you mm-hmm. want to give yourself enough time to address them. Yeah. Because if you wait until the week of or the month of credit and we start looking through your history and realize, hey, we need to do X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z is going to take two or three months. Now you're out of luck because right. you're thinking you're going to buy now and now you have to wait. Right. And so right. always, always, if you're thinking about making that big of a, of a financial decision about your future, you want to get started early. That, yeah. I mean, it, obviously, I'm biased, but I also yeah. try to help my clients make good decisions right. about what right. they're doing. Right. There's that old adage, um, you know, failure to plan is planning to fail. Yeah, um, exactly. And I, and I 100% agree with that. I, I would say anybody that's thinking about buying um, minimum minimum that you want to get your credit looked at before you even, you know, go, uh, into the, uh, um, you know, lender's office mm-hmm. six months at you know, right. bare minimum, I would say a year is probably a, a, a better look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but six months bare minimum, just because there may be some things on there. I mean, it, even, okay. So this, this leads me to another thing that I wanted to speak on, uh, which is credit karma, but you know, even if you're the, you know, the oh, credit please, karma, yeah, please yeah, talk you, about credit karma. Yeah, even if you're the credit karma, like you know, person who is just you know on there every single day, uh, checking this, you know, see you know where your scores fluctuated. Even if you're on credit karma and you do that, uh, you still want to have a full review. And the reason being is because uh, credit karma, credit karma, <laughs> credit karma only has TransUnion and Equifax. Uh, they don't even have the Experian Bureau, and there are three credit bureaus out there. So uh, you really don't know what's lurking on that Experian Bureau. And then just, you know, as you well know, Alejandro, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, well, my credit karma score says that I'm, you know, 680. Why why is your score saying I'm in the 500s? Right. Please talk about that. Yeah, because I want people to hear it from you. Yeah. Uh, What what you're going to find out there is anything that you can get score-wise online, especially from credit karma, um, is going to be on a Vantage model. Uh, Vantage is just a, a different um, calculation, different mathematical formula that spits out a credit score. And um, when you go to a mortgage lender, mortgage lenders are mandated to use FICO, Fair Isaac Corporations. Um, that's their calculation for the credit score. And it's actually FICO version 4. Uh, there are over 60 different versions of FICO. So whenever somebody says, what's my credit score? Uh, well, which one? Uh, yeah, exactly. Is it, yep. is it the one that you're using on Credit Karma? Because that's not going to get you any financing. If you're going to go to a car lot, you're going to be on FICO version eight. Uh, if you're going to go to a mortgager, you're on FICO version four. And um, basically version four, uh, which I don't foresee um, this being changed anytime soon, but version four is the absolute most strict uh, version of a credit score out there. And the reason that it's mandated for you guys to use them is because most of your loans um, are government backed. And mm-hmm. so uh, they want to ensure that they're going to get, you know, as many people to repay those loans as possible. Right. Exactly. So they're also uh, pretty big loans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, whenever you're talking about, you know, a house, you know, you're, we're looking at uh, six figure loans there. Um, mm-hmm. So you're going to be evaluated on version four and unfortunately, there's no way for anyone out there that's listening right now to get a version score for uh, a version four score uh, without going and actually putting in an application. Um, right. 
you can, you can, I mean, if people that have, I have a discover card that, you know, I have a rewards card. They give me my FICO score on there. Uh, it's a FICO eight version score. So it's not even my mm-hmm. version four score. Um, so if you're out there listening and, and you're like, well, I've got this and that and the other, it could be close. I'm not telling you that it's probably that far off if it's a FICO um, because most FICOs are, are relatively close as far as uh, the scoring model is concerned. But if you're looking at a Vantage score, if you're looking at a Credit Karma score, uh, you could be you could be off by a hundred points easily. Right. Oh, I was so just a quick anecdote when when I was going through this process and part of the reason why I called you was because my credit karma score was something like a seven ninety something something around there. And yeah. when I pulled my mortgage uh, score, it was a six ninety one, and I was yeah. like, I was floored. I couldn't oh, yeah. believe it. And the only thing that I had on my score or on my credit report that was bad was a um was that um 30 day late payment and right. an old medical collection that was about right. to expire i think we were about to hit the seven year mark literally like a month from when i pulled it yeah so when i ended up buying you know four months later or so it was it eventually came off of my report and then mm-hmm. also the 30 day late payment came off so there was a, a pretty big boost but it was the first time and i'd always told that to my clients to expect there to be a dip but it was the first time that i experienced it myself because yeah. I mean, it just kind of blew me away. I couldn't believe that the disparity was so big that it was like a hundred point difference. Yeah. Um, While while we're on that subject, Alejandro, how many times do you usually pull credit during the mortgage process? You in general, I mean, usually just once, just the one, the one time that credit score is good for four months. And most of our clients are purchasing um, a home within that time frame. Now, if we have a credit challenged borrower, then that might happen twice, you know, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think I've ever pulled it more than two times uh, throughout a process. Unless, yes. you know, recently I had some clients, especially this year, I had three clients that came back to us uh, a year right. plus removed from the original application. And it had been a long process of us just really working with them and slowly them getting to the place where they needed to get. And then, you know, boom, they bought a house. And so, they, they, they really, really worked their butt off to get to where they needed to be and, and they got it done. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. What, what effect do you see? Um, and I promise this is the last thing here, but what effect do you see on um, credit scores from inquiries when you mm-hmm. see, mm-hmm. I try to tell my clients is they worry, they freak out a lot about, Hey, I just pulled my credit with another lender three right. days ago. Right. And I'm going to pull it again with you. Mm-hmm. And um, on our end, it has almost no impact as long as they're doing it within a certain time frame. Exactly. It generally gets seen as a one shopping event. I, I right. try to tell them, you know, it's not like you're buying seven different houses, obviously. Right. You're, you're shopping for the best deal and that's okay. Right. Now, I also give the advice and you can tell me whether I'm right or wrong here, but I also let them know that that comes with, um, there's a caveat to that. Obviously, if you pull your credit 45 times, then that might start having a negative impact. I would assume I had one client that literally had something like 57 or or 50 plus inquiries during the course of the year. And there, I mean, their credit credit was totally shot. I mean, it was destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's a lot of times what we'll see here. Um, your inquiries are a portion of, so 
from what we can see about the FICO graph, and, and, and it is different for each different version of FICO, but if you go on FICO.com, anybody can look at this, there's a pie chart, and your inquiries are um, in the 10% of the effect of the total overall FICO score. And I believe it's the same way on version four. So um, they're within that. It's the pursuit of new credit. And it basically just, you know, it, it's going to drag your score down because somebody's trying to accumulate more loans. It, it, it makes the FICO formula believe that, um, you know, that they need money. And so therefore it's a higher risk situation. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it, it's, it's worth 10% or less of the overall score. And there, there's something what's called the right to shop. Everybody has this. Uh, so on your end for mortgages, I believe it's within, um, I, I think the period for mortgages is even longer than it is on car lots. Uh, I want to say it's a it's a couple or uh, it's like at least a month, I want to say, as far as for buying a home that if you have an inquiry inside of that, um, that you're not affected, but just the one time. And then whenever you go and you buy a car, I mean, it's it's similar as uh, I think the waiting period is different. I think it's a matter of a couple of weeks on that, um, that you're only supposed to have one inquiry. However, car lots um, are not. Um, the information that's sent to the bureaus, uh, it's not coded correctly generally um, from the car lot. And, and if you've ever gone to buy a car and you don't have your financing already set up, that car lot generally is going to throw you in with however many banks that they can throw you in with to see what the best you know, possible uh, interest rate and payment that they can get for you is because they want to sell you that car. Right. Well, that's all well and good. They're trying to do you a favor by doing that. But that's where we see the 40 plus inquiries hit in a matter of just, you know, a day. And even though everybody knows what happens, if that lot is not uh, sending that information correctly to the bureaus, then, yeah, that can have a, an impact to the score. And, and you might see a decrease, you know. Uh, I wouldn't even see, um, I would say, you know, 10 to 20 points is probably not without the realm of possibility um, as far as that many inquiries all at once. But generally speaking, for inquiries, a few points maybe over the course of the year. If you're a normal person and you're just, you know, going out, uh, you might apply for something uh, even, you know, just once or twice a year. Even if it's something as simple as like maybe doing a furniture deal, you know, you want new furniture and they'll give you like, 50% off when you go into that store, you know, and you get one of those, that inquiry is not going to affect your credit rating all that much. Yeah. No, man. I mean, gosh, I feel like this is one of those uh, conversations. I almost feel like I could do it live so that people could be sending in questions because I know that there are all kinds of different scenarios that people run through, but um, sure. credit is one of those things that, it, you know, if you're out there, um, there's a lot of mystery around credit because it's not like they post something online where it's like, if you do this, it equals that. And if you, if you do this, it equals exactly. this. And exactly. And it's not like, there's not like a rule book where you go and just simply say, this does that. But, yeah. but you yeah. should certainly seek advice. You should seek advice and you should seek guidance uh, before you make any serious decisions. And, um, and I appreciate, you know, everything you do for our clients, man. I really do. Um Pretty Appreciate you and as if well. Do you have anything else you want to say before we uh, cut it off? Anything you want to let our, our our listeners know about you, about what you do, and, and maybe where they can reach you if they have some questions? Yeah, I mean, um, basically, I just wanted to give out my contact information. Um, 
Alejandro has it at Fairway Mortgage. Uh, if you if you you know need a lender, I re- highly recommend this man. Uh, you know we've worked together for a little over a year now, and uh, he definitely cares about his clients. So reach out to him. Uh, for me, uh, I'm in the Kansas City metro area, but I can work with anyone in the nation uh, except for Georgia and South Carolina, just because of the way their credit reporting laws. Uh, you have to be a resident of that. Uh, in, if you're a resident of either one of those states, you have to work within that state for uh, the, the way that the laws are set up. But uh, anybody that's out there listening, uh, my direct number uh, to the office here is 816-524-9405. Uh, I'm in the office Monday through Friday, and uh, I set up appointments on my weekends. Uh, I, you know, I, I'm a workaholic, so I, I work around the clock a lot of the time. And then if you want to email me for information as well, it's Jason, J-A-S-O-N-L, as in Larry, at creditlawcenter.com. And you can get us on our website. Uh, my name is on the website, uh, creditlawcenter.com. There's a lot of information, a lot of videos. Uh, we have our own YouTube channel with a lot of great information out there. One of my videos is on there as well. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of good information. Uh, and I just want to make sure that everybody has access to it because Credit is a big mystery uh, for whatever reason. And uh, like I said, you know, I've been doing this for two years and I had I had no clue at the amount of, of information that's out there. And so yeah, if you want to do a follow up and you want to do it live, Alejandro, I'd be definitely down for that. Uh, yeah, we might have to build sure. some live questions uh, because there's just so much more to address. And, uh, it, you know, everybody's got a particular, you know, inter- intricacy or story or what have you. You know, what would you do in this situation? And, and we haven't even touched on what the law firm can really do as far as uh, mixed files and, and things that, you know, occur in that way. So, that you know, there's a lot of areas that uh, we could definitely touch on. So if you want yeah, to do a follow yeah. up, follow Absolutely. up with me, let me know. We'll do it. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny as we started this wondering whether we'd have enough to talk for 30 minutes. And here we are an hour and five minutes in. Man. I, mean, <laughs> I had a yeah. feeling I had a feeling. But thank you so much, too. man. I appreciate it. Um, Uh, And yes, I will follow up with you about uh, future podcasts. Thanks so much. Have a great day. All right. You too, man. Take care. Peace out. See you.